This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me today is Hans. What are those, new headphones? No, it's the same ones that you guys thought were Puerto Rican earrings, remember? That's right. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they hang off my ears. Yeah. We got Rosie Perez on the show tonight as guest. <laughs> Let me see my nipples. Oh, you can't. Sorry. Uh, and we also have Spencer from Death Curse Comics. How are you doing tonight, sir? What's going on? I'm good. Thank you for having me on tonight. Absolutely. It's good to do a, a one-off show after we had our crossover on Army of the Dead a while back, two-parter. That was a real fun time, getting into that movie. Yeah, and that's uh, wacky. It's, uh, that's one I'm still meaning to revisit. Like Maybe I'll have a higher opinion of it now that I know it's just a piece of shit. That seems to be the case with a lot of horror movies. Is people Once they get used to the fact it's not what they wanted, or maybe it's not even that good, then they can start to accept the characteristics of it, and then gradually... You know, build a tolerance to it. I think that will happen with the uh, the movie that I want to get into right away. Halloween Kills. People hate this fucking movie. <laughs> a lot of Halloween fans. I've seen, I'm friends with some plenty of Halloween fans from, you know, the literary community and uh, uh, podcasting community. And anybody who's a Halloween purist, say for our buddy Jake, the cinematologist, seems like Hans has a cockroach flying around his bedroom. There's right a, no, there's a cat asking for dick. <laughs> just outside. <laughs> you know when they just go, when they're just walking around. Cat. <laughs> they just walking around just going round. It's like, can you fucking go? Dude, I'm at my mom's house right now. She's got nine cats and about four Holy of them are females. Shit. And every every time I visit, that's also that just so happens to be the time one or two will be in heat. And if one is in heat, then another is in heat and it, just, it sets off the cycle and they don't they shut the fuck up. up. Yeah. Yeah. It's annoying. And it's Sorry, disgusting. I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> the point I was getting at was, save for uh, Jake, the cinematologist, he uh, he's the only Halloween purist that I've talked to, that I've seen anyway, that does not have a strong disdain for this movie, Halloween Kills by David Gordon Green. Can, can you be a Halloween purist when there's so many bad ones? Yes. 
when most of them are bad. I think on average, if you look at, if you compare, and Spencer, I want to get your take on this too. If you can compare like the big horror icons, the slasher icons, the Halloween series probably has the most overall quality. Maybe, maybe, I mean, look, maybe Nightmare on Elm Street, but there's also a lot of not so great ones in there too. I think they're all very watchable. I can't say that about Halloween. Curse of mm-hmm. Michael Myers and Halloween 5 yeah. I, I, are really hard to get through. Halloween, uh, the original Rob Zombie Halloween, I also think is not that easy to get through. So, I don't know. Spencer, How do you, you like think? the second one of those? Uh, it's uh, it's fine. I think there's interesting things about it. It's not really my cup of tea. I actually, it, it, even though I was just taking a jab at the first one, I actually think I prefer the first one as a better piece of quality media, even if it's yeah. not my favorite. Because I rewatched, I rewatched both of those for this. I've seen Halloween Kills an obscene amount of times at this point. I talked with you a little bit in DMs. I was like, I feel like every time I watch the movie, like I'm like changed on one part and then on another part, I'm like, God damn, I hate this. And I was so torn, but overall, I I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think I'm as much of a purist uh, as Jake is from what I've seen him talking about it. Uh, I sort of fall off with Halloween. I'm more of like a Friday the 13th nightmare on Elm street kind of guy when it comes to slashers and then like, uh, the one-off stuff like the burning and shit like that. But, oh, the burning. Um, Michael Myers has always been the interesting one. Cause it's, uh, it's kind of that, like, uh, at least in the original one, it's what you don't see. There's not a lot of blood or anything like that. I think you see blood on him as a kid for the most part. Uh, and it's kind of like the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre route from there. It sort of lets your your mind fill in the gaps and everything. But he is one of the ones where, like, somehow with Michael Myers, no matter how bad his movies ever were, like the fan base, if they're like in love with Michael Myers, they would just support it. Like, no matter how bad the movies got, they kept showing up for it. And uh, I think that this like reboot run is sort of a, a testament to all of that is i think blumhouse sort of saw it as like sure surefire money uh especially being able to get john carpenter and nick castle on board and all these guys for all the big fan servicey cameos and things that i know a lot of like super fans go nuts for there's like the whole fangoria crowd where you can do no wrong so as long as it's like the right licensed ip they're like holy shit this is perfect and uh that's i think the crowd that's like praising it right now that 50 percent, the other half is kind of like shitting all over it and there's a lot of diehards like really confused uh i'm kind of in this weird middle though i almost don't remember the question you asked me but yeah like uh it's it's such a conflicting movie for me and i'm a diehard slasher fan i i like that my feelings about it are not like okay so i've watched it twice thus far and the first time, I I was expecting more the 2018 one, which is a, a pretty solid, straightforward, and serious horror sequel that has maybe like one or two bits of comedy that focused on, I believe, Artie from Pete and Pete, all grown up. He was the yeah, husband was... of Judy Greer or somebody in the film, right? Yeah, Karen, I Shit, think is her name. Yes, yeah, so that was daughter. Artie. I was like, this guy's familiar. Where do I know him? And I knew yeah, him as Strongest Artie. man in the world, man. I was yeah. like, what the fuck is going on? He says something uh he says something about a penis at the dinner table. That's what yeah, I Yeah, I, I got peanut butter on my penis. 
Right. That's like the one David Gordon Green, Danny McBride bit of humor in the movie. And then you watch this. So it felt like David Gordon Green and Danny McBride said, we're going to do what what should have been the sequel to Halloween, that original Halloween. And then Blumhouse was like, you want to do two more? And they said, yeah, we'll do two more. But it's going to be our Halloween now. It's not going to be Halloween. It's going to be our version of that. Which you, this is not the first time they've done something like that. If you take a look at the series Eastbound and Down, the first three, that third season of Eastbound and Down was supposed to be the final season. It was labeled the final season. It ends perfectly. But HBO wanted one more. And HBO threw money at them and said, Can you do one more season? And then we'll let you have another show. And that can be self contained. And they said, Yes, we will do that. And then the fourth season is nuts, it's crazy. The main supporting character, Stevie, has got plastic surgery and blue eyes, and Kenny Powers (laughs) is a big celebrity again, and he's famous for being, like, racist on SportsCenter or something. And it it gets so insane and over-the-top and wild. And it's like, all right, I understand the MO of these guys, where if they're doing it for the money and they have that freedom, then they're just going to go crazy with it, and they're going to do the most fun version of that. And that's what this feels like. This feels like a Halloween-themed episode of Righteous Gemstones or Vice Principles, something like that. And the ending gets insane. It gets crazy. And I, I kind of love it. It gets very Brian De Palma with the shots as well. There's like a higher level of visual artistry to this movie and also visual laziness where some of the shots are not very thought out. And I can clearly tell they're doing like, like a fake zoom effect in Avid or Final Cut Pro or whatever they're, they're doing. And then there's other shots that are so just strange for any uh, slasher film, at least, that I can't help but appreciate it. So I think there's plenty of good and bad to this, but it's certainly a memorable outing in the Halloween franchise. And I think they were probably smart to uh, do these two back-to-back Halloween kills and Halloween ends, which comes out next year, which I, I don't even know how they can really do that. It has to take it to the most extreme level, you would think. Body count alone, if you're going off of like the slasher rules of, you know, every sequel needs to up the last one. Uh, I think I counted, I think it's just shy of 40 people dead by the oh end of God. it. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I so think it's it, literally going to be like a Godzilla film, Halloween if, Ends. If you count that final scene without getting like too far ahead, there's like, I think about 20 people. And uh, basically that moment essentially doubles the body count of the entire movie in like the last five minutes of the movie and i was like i'm like re-watching the movie taking notes and was like oh you know the body count's not that far off from like a lot of friday the 13th movies and stuff like that and then i was like oh shit yeah there's the the ending of the movie where it just turns full tilt and uh it's it's like up there with the insanity of the opening of like what was it jason goes to hell where the cops just like light Jason up in the first five minutes of the movie and just like blow him apart with guns. The ending just goes like completely off the deep end. But uh, yeah, like body count alone, they're going to be really pressed to like up the Annie. Like, I don't, I don't really know. You, I guess kill 80 people next time around, like nuke the city at the end or something. I have some ideas of what they're going to do, but. He's going to hell with Jason. Yeah, they're going to blow him to pieces in the first five minutes. He's going to turn into an ass worm. 
Yeah, I, I, I actually think that if this wasn't connected to the last one, I might have enjoyed it better. I, I thought the, the, the weakest part of the story, well, besides the survivors, who's what's this the guy, the, the blood guy that, that Tommy Doyle is bad The best of character sudden? of the entire film. Oh, George Zimmerman. <laughs> he plays, yeah. he's just a hero. He's, he's trying to save the town. character in the movie, yeah. Uh, I uh, love all these terrible delivery canned lines of uh, everyone's entitled to one good scare, of what the, the original sheriff from the 78 oh, Halloween says. He can't, he can't act anymore. Anthony Michael Hall is not trying at all, it seems like. He's just saying, evil guys tonight, he's screaming with his bat. <laughs> I like when the when the kid goes. Tommy's organizing groups of people, groups of people that care to catch him. It's like, oh, so just a bunch of old people are just gonna go at him and catch him. And then when they're driving, he pops up and they're surprised, even though they're looking for him. I was I like, need what, a is, few what the good fuck? People, <laughs> not a few good men. Even though it's all it's all men at the gas station. There's not a single woman in sight. He looks around and like pauses on the delivery of that line and goes, people. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking for a serial murderer and i i don't know if they their performance was worse or better than both jamie lee curtis and uh what's her name judy greer who were both awful <laughs> just at, at least to me their reactions to everything and how overly exaggerated everything was from their performance well judy greer was kind of boring uh She's until almost the end the most grounded character in the movie like because she plays it so straight yeah and then and then uh jamie lee curtis just acting tough and trying to get out of the hospital with a gash in her belly and just like overreacting at everything you know so what what like the tone the tone tone between this one and the last one it feels very uh what's the second star wars movie from that last trilogy the last jedi Ooh, is it yeah no that's a, that's a where, very good comparison to make this is definitely the last jedi of the halloween <laughs> series where oh, you, you set something up on the first one and then the second one is like well let's just do whatever the fuck we want who cares yeah, whatever yeah <laughs> exactly who cares um but uh, yeah, the, the the one thing I liked is that a lot of the deaths are very creative and a couple mm. of them were kind of unexpected. Uh, but yeah, it goes crazy. That that scene that uh, felt like a like a zombie invasion at the hospital and then trying to get the wrong Michael, who looks nothing like Michael, <laughs> not even size-wise. <laughs> He's the like way smaller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so way smaller. And everyone's just like, yes, get him. Uh, that was very comical. Now that, that you mentioned that, I, I think if I had seen it, through the eyes, I forgot that Danny McBride and uh, co-wrote this. So maybe if I had seen it as like you know the TV shows that they do, where the tone is more comedic than serious, even though they're tackling kind of serious things sometimes, uh, I might have enjoyed it a little bit better. Which is kind of confused as to what they were trying to do with it. But yeah. I've only seen it once. You know? That yeah. that first go around, I again I was kind of just breezing through it. You know, I I wasn't fully. It didn't fully hold my attention. And then little things would pop up. And I'd be like, huh, what? What? Like the big John, little John thing? I was like, oh this God. is a real part of a movie? Why is this taking up uh, so much time in the movie? This is a third of the movie, these two. How about cheap when gay the... joke for the C-plot. <laughs> Constant <laughs> gay joke. From Stuart of Mad TV and the bad guy from the, from the Righteous Gemstones. Yeah. Oh, how, okay, how about when, when they bring in the, the old sheriff? 
and uh what's her name uh the daughter Nat- natalie i think it is mm-hmm. uh and and she sees them he's like oh he's coming and the the paramedic is like internal bleeding lacerations but he's gonna make it it's like what why are you saying this in the middle of the hallway so that she can hear you it's like what the fuck is this uh but yeah i i uh i didn't hate it but again um i started because i've seen all the halloween movies but you know my memory like some of them just like blend with each other and i don't remember which one is exactly uh but I I don't understand the outrage or, uh, about this movie uh, as if the rest of them were just, uh, you know, on uh, just you can't copy them or it's like a work of art that shouldn't be touched. When if you look at the original series before Rob Zombie, at least personally, I like maybe three, maybe four out of those. Uh, the first one. Uh, the second one is fine. I like the third one, even though it's not good. And I, I know that Loris has been critical about the all of a sudden love that everyone has for well, the third one. I was the first guy to ever say Halloween 3 is the best Halloween. Fuck the Michael Myers movies. Halloween 3 season, okay. which that's the well, real one. I've always been on that train. I, 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 I still watch it every Halloween. I'll probably watch it this Halloween. However, I don't like... Listen, maybe this is just the snob in me. Maybe this is the hipster... <laughs> who's, uh, you know, ahead of the curve, fashion forward. But I don't like now, this is everyone's favorite Halloween movie. I just checked my YouTube feed. James Rolfe released a video only two days ago saying Halloween 3 is super underrated. No shit. We've been saying that for 10 years. We've been saying that for seven years. I Shout Factory put it out on Blu-ray. I picked it up. I saw it in theaters. Listen, everyone wants to pretend like this is their new favorite just because they're kind of bored of everything else or whatever. It's a fun horror movie. It's a great horror movie. It's one of the best Halloween films. But it just feels very forced that this is suddenly now like the thing. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I, I think it's definitely the soy choice of favorite for Halloween it's movies. Cool kids Halloween. <laughs> yeah. So, actually, you well, know what I the like- new Halloween 3 is? Is Halloween 4. There's a small niche community that's like, actually, oh, Halloween no. 4 is great. Halloween 4 is underrated. Halloween 4 is terrific. And Halloween 4 is not even a bad one. I, I don't have any real strong opinion about it. I remember I had very few on VHS, and I, I believe I had Halloween and Halloween 4 and maybe Halloween 2 and H2O, and that was it for a while. And it's a, it's, it's a watchable slasher film, but it ain't. it doesn't have the same character that Halloween Season of the Witch has, in my opinion. That's, that's when they try to make him... Uh... Like the little girl is like a vessel for him, right at the end. Kind uh, of. And then oh, Loomis yes. tries and they don't to kill her, and that yeah. And then then in the next movie they completely abandon that. Yeah, I hate when I hated that. I uh, I like the first three, and I like the I like the Buster Rhymes one. I think that movie. Oh hell yeah, that hilarious. one is actually legitimately underrated it's, and fun. Is that was that like Resurrection? Or Resurrection. Something? Yeah, that's yeah. that so like a... funny. A reality TV show yep. or something Danger they're Tame. shooting in the Myers house. That's right. Yeah, like a haunting it's show. So, yeah, that one was it's so funny. weird. The Looks perfect Michael sequel Myers that H two O. You end with a decapitation. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character finally gets closure, and then Dangertainment LLC starts up, and Buster Rhymes has to have a TV show. So we got to bring Michael back somehow, and we're gonna have a shoehorned story in the mental ward that's just thrown in there. That actually Michael put his own mask on a paramedic and uh, he was reaching out not as like you're my sister but help me my vocal cords have been crushed and she killed a man and went insane 
always framing those first responders. I thought we were going to honestly see like a nod to something like that in this one. I wouldn't be surprised if they just leave the next one open-ended like that. Uh, I don't imagine like if these just keep making tons of money that they're going to stop making them. Maybe, uh, you know, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride will walk and go do their own thing again. But if Blumhouse is making tons of money, they're not really the studio that stops making sequels on anything. Right. So. No, of course not. I know David Gordon Green is actually in production on, I think it's the Hellraiser remake television series, not oh, the one yeah, with they... the, the female pinhead. There's two things going at once, and uh, he's involved with the HBO show. Yeah, they're doing a bunch of stuff. I'm pretty sure they're already involved trying to figure out the Jason rights. The only thing that'd be good about that is I think they're trying to sort of be like a mediary and do like what they did with Halloween and bring a bunch of people who hate each other back together to to make uh, another installment. Because as it is right now, Victor Miller owns uh, like the original Friday the 13th stuff, but Sean Cunningham owns like the concept of adult Jason cunningham can't use the friday the 13th name anymore so if we're ever going to see like another friday the 13th with big jason running around killing people it'd probably just be called jason or blumhouse will figure out some way to reconcile all their differences with a bunch of fucking money but uh yeah is that why is that why jason x is called jason x and jason goes to hell is called jason goes to hell um i believe that was him like covering his ass and like establishing like without a doubt even if they got screwed because i mean this court stuff vic has been trying to go after it for a really long time and then obama obama established that law before he was out of office whatever after like 35 years you could try and get your uh your properties back depending on the the contracting mm-hmm. uh but yeah it's uh it's one of those things uh this this movie is so campy and weird and all over the place and it's like you said uh like if you go into it expecting the that first one they did in 2018 it's it's such a complete 180 from what they did and then like looking back at it now after watching this one so many times, because I watched the the first one when it came out quite a few times too, but it was definitely spaced out over a longer period of time. So I've been working in my office all week. So I just kept like playing this movie on loop and picking it apart. But uh, if you were you expecting okay? the 2018 one, it's one of the fucking craziest <laughs> things ever. Yeah, I've rotted I'm sorry, my brain. Why? <laughs> why? Uh, like I, I mean, said, I'm a big slasher fan and there was so many expectations that like the first time I watched it, I really hated it. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm the first guy, like I say it on our channel all the time. Like I love stupid schlocky horror shit. So like something like this, if it wasn't the second installment and I wasn't expecting right. like a, like an actual, like Lores said, like a really like well thought out uh, like movie like it wasn't just trying to be like oh we're a new Halloween movie they tried to make a good movie that stood on its own legs and just happened to have Michael Myers in it and there's like even a couple of things I didn't really like about the first one but it's still like it looks good it's still entertaining and it feels very close to the the original one without just being like a one-to-one like recreation mm-hmm. of the original like a lot of reboots are so it was like they kind of played it safe and still had some surprises in it this one if the first one was like this one and they just came out of the gate crazy like this i would have been like all for it day one uh 
the biggest stuff that confuses me with this is it like includes and alludes to Halloween 2, which was redacted in the 2018 one, but mm. is mentioned quite a few times in this one. Uh, so now it's like it's gotten into this weird area where they're kind of like, well, we know it's going to make money no matter what. So we don't really care about keeping the like timeline and continuity too tight anymore. What are you referring to? Because I guess that went over my head because I'm not as well versed on the Halloween uh, series. The nurse the slap time? flashback isn't actually from the first one. It's from the second one. Uh, huh. Yeah, and there's a couple other parts that they mention. So the only way my brain could make sense of it was that essentially parts of the second one happened from the way they talk about it. Like say Michael Myers went to the hospital, but then at some point during the night, he went back to the Myers home, you know, after him and Lori fought and everything, she went to the hospital, he went after her, and then he returned home again. And I think the cop flashback at the beginning of this one is showing when he came home that second time, Mm. and like from the hospital, and like, instead of getting blown up by Loomis in the hospital in Halloween 2, the original ones, he just came home and ended up getting fucked up by the cops. Like Loomis loses lose track of him. Cause obviously when Loomis shows up in this one in the flashback, he's not all burnt up from the end of Halloween too, or anything right. like that. So I think it also wasn't Loomis, it. right? It, it was like, it was like a, like the Irishman Loomis. Good no, uh, well, no, hold they, on, no, that yeah. was a prosthetic. That was, uh, oh, was it? maybe yep. similar to what we've been using that you'll well well, you don't know what yeah i'm curious to see that Uh, i remember you mentioning that a while ago but that was all uh entirely visual practical effects so that's why he wasn't on camera for very long that's why they kept him in the background out of focus (laughs) he said something and then cut out always in like the corner of the frame and that's where like lorez was mentioning before that weird like i don't know if it's like adobe premiere like post rendering zoom or whatever that's what made me think on the first watch that that was just like you said, like a digital rotoscoping of the character was they do that weird zoom in on the, the kid from project X young Hawkins. They like zoom in on him with that like artificial uh, zoom. And then they do it like in reverse at uh, Loomis down the stairs. And it like the lighting seems all weird with it. Almost like the, like, I don't know if it's like the visual codec or what on uh whatever they rendered it with is just like sort of pixelating in a weird way so he yeah. looks sharper than everything around him yeah. in the scene and it's like that like when like cgi effects fuck up the black point on something and it doesn't look like it's like sitting in the same field mm, and that's totally. i was like what the fuck is going on with this and then like the third time i was watching it i was like i need to look this up and the first thing i found was the they showed the actor the guy actually looks like a like a famous like stock photo actor who's been in like meme photos and yeah shit. you're right like, yeah he definitely does not look like a real actor he looks like if you went to shutterstock.com and typed in old bald man he would probably <laughs> come up on the first page but the uh the the vi- like the actual prosthetic of it looked pretty good it looked pretty on point yeah. with uh uh donald pleasance's likeness it's the uh the hair and they nail that in the lighting and there's definitely like some post touch up. I think that's where like the glossiness comes from. There's some of that in, at least I think there is in the, uh, the scene where Michael exits the burning house at the beginning too. And there's like the water dripping down in front of him. Some of the water looks like it's like practical and it's actually there. And then it looks like somebody went in and retouched some of the water. Cause there's mm-hmm. like a second layer you can see. And that was all the shit where I was like, it just felt unnecessary 
the narrative handholding is what I didn't really like about it. And I think that's what I'm still like torn about is there's so much like, I guess, expositionary dialogue is the best way mm-hmm. to describe it. Where And it's like, if it were one person, like it makes sense if it's Laurie or Hawkins or someone who's been around since the beginning, sort of like catching everybody up on it, which is why I thought Tommy was going to be that guy when he introduces the story but they split it up amongst the entire town and just everyone is like a fucking old bard at a campfire or something. Just yeah, like no, you know what it felt like? Story it, to tell. it had a vibe to it where it was like, maybe they felt like it was 20 minutes too short or something. And they took like, they leaned into the clip show factor of it where you get like, oh, it's a little bit of Halloween and here's Halloween 2018. That, and That introduction at the bar felt really uncomfortable and weird that yeah this is something they do every year and here's this person that was a victim and this other person that was a victim and this other one it's like we yeah we know (laughs) it's like you need to tell us every year 30 40 (laughs) years later and they like yeah there's like a slight line that slips in that they do this shit like every year i was like yeah the only the only thing i like about that is that plays into how i've always seen the halloween movies is like I like the not explaining things too much. That's why I don't really like the Rob Zombie ones, but I enjoy them as just like watching them as popcorn flick slasher movies. But that weird, like, like the theme to me has always been this like strange obsession and how it like, like anyone can fall into this like obsessive pattern and like Michael Myers is just like an animalistic obsession. He doesn't know why he just goes around killing Lori gets obsessed over time throughout the original series and is just sort of like whether it's reluctant or not she's pulled into the gravity of this this man in this whole situation and Loomis is just like off the fucking deep end wants to kill this guy and is like his own like uh obsession that he's manifested himself over time so it's like all these different shades of obsession and then we finally got to see in this one like how a town can obsess but they don't like really like build on that it's just all these flashy moments there's no real emotion behind it and then it's just like hey there's that guy and there's that girl and like we're all getting together because it's halloween again and then every time it doesn't feel like halloween we're gonna like mention some other spooky halloween thing or something very halloween's gonna gonna happen I'm going to bum everyone out of this bar by giving my little speech about how people die. (laughs) So you ruin the mood of the party completely. And no one's like, we hear this fucking story every year. Get off the stage. Like that little bit of that one line would have been the perfect little bit of realism to like diffuse all of that. And it's still like everything can segue right to where it was going already, but it feels a little more believable than just like, I guess everybody in this town's fucking nuts obsessed with this guy. And they're just going to talk about it every, I'm shocked. They didn't go down to the the fucking mental institution and just execute him like 20 years ago after drinking all night on Halloween. Like it did not take a lot to whip the town up into murdering a mentally ill guy. Like, well, the, the the reactions. Now that you mentioned that, the reaction of everyone in the bar is like, "Oh, oh, that's a that's a very sad story." It's like, have yeah. you guys never heard this story that he tells every year? <laughs> Why are the old new in town? Everyone in this bar has just never heard of this. There's a guy in the background who nods like it's like a commercial about like a deal at a local restaurant or something. He's like looking around <laughs> at everybody, like pretty cool guys. Like, no, dude, you're not reading the room right. Like. 
And the <laughs> so you're saying that at the beginning when the Jim Cummings, that's his name, right? Yeah. yeah the, so Cummings. that was something I was not expecting. I don't know if he was announced beforehand, but I he popped up and I was like, oh, so Jim Cummings from Thunder Road and from uh, if, I might have the name of Wolf this of wrong, Hollow. Wolf of Snow Hollow, and now the Beta Test. Uh, he's directed about a film a year since Thunder Road came out and won the I think a w- audience award at, at maybe it was Sundance. Uh, he's a writer, director, actor, and he's uh, he's pretty good. He's interesting. He's kind of lame on Twitter these days. He wasn't always, but no, that is what uh, it is. Most people on Twitter yeah. are pretty lame. Yeah, you got to play the scene, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, he comes up in this movie as the partner of the uh, the Will Patton character who's in the hospital. And who's from the first movie? Do we have the character's yeah. name? Anybody? Hawkins, 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 and McCabe. Uh, okay. Hawkins, Hawkins is Will Patton's young character, and that's the kid from Project X. I don't that's remember right. his name at all, but Jim Cummings, uh, I believe, funny. is uh, just credited as Officer McCabe. I don't think he's like a real character from the original. It's not like a recasting or anything. They just mm-hmm. he's one of the inserts that like it, it works for the story, but again never really fully feels like it pays off anything for the, I'm I'm wondering if that's going to come more into play in the third movie he's just kind of like uh cops do bad shit sometimes <laughs> cover it up mm-hmm. yeah I guess that is something that they could do with Halloween ends that would subvert even more is have it not really be about the ending of of that Halloween and just go back it seems like they want to set up a lot they're planting a lot of seeds um, you even do get Silver Shamrock in this movie with the yeah. Halloween three mask. They're just kind of paying homage to the rest of the series with with this by getting getting their fingers into every little pot. Did Michael ever kill like that before in like a symbolic way of like I'm scaring you people because what he did with those masks masks to me was like you know it's to scare to get a reaction out of people because of how gruesome those kills were and he just left them propped. It, oh, it depends, right. um, because in the first movie, what does he do? He puts on a sheet and wears the glasses. He he gets a little creative, right? Yeah, that's but... one of the, like, silent sort of, like, character, I guess, like, quirks about him is it's not as overt in the original, but I think from what, everything I've ever seen from Carpenter talking about it, it was more so, like, a budgetary thing. But, yeah, he's, like, he's literally, like, a six-year-old, like, kid who's just, like, super gay for Halloween. Just all the... That's why I like the the prank on the Johns and stuff like that. It's all sort of playing into that, like, Halloween spirit thing. And that's really, like... I The movie gets so campy, I thought at one point they were just going to be, like, he's just a kid who loves Halloween and snaps. <laughs> like, it gets so ridiculous. But that's really, like, at the core of it, if you want to explain Michael Myers, at least to me, that's always how it was. He's this... It's this weird obsession. And I think more so this one silently rounds out what I've always believed is uh not so much that he's hunting lori but it's it's that mentality of the ones that get away like actually like if i was going to do a written review that was kind of the basis i was going to go on was this idea that i've had for so long and it's really it's not about one person in particular he's just got this weird drive where like he locks onto these people and he gets this weird enjoyment of carving people up like a fucking pumpkin like it really is like he found the perfect pumpkin in the patch and he can't wait to carve it 
And then that pumpkin rolled down a hill and got away from him. And so he has to get that pumpkin back and carve it up and make his art, whatever that art is. It's different every time, but he gets a hold of it and he makes, he makes his art and he has a good time and has a mess with it. And then he goes home and he just reflects on his Halloween night and eats his candy. That's his eating his candy. (laughs) He's at home in the window, opening up his candy, going through it and having a good time. I love like, his little fan fiction of Michael Myers enjoying his Halloween like a normal boy. This yeah, is good. Well, that's that's like Rob Zombie ruined that in his head. Like with two, you see the little kid version of him walking around everywhere, and it's like he's just got his Halloween boner on, running around, having the time of his life. And that's like that's what Rob Zombie gets right, but doesn't understand that you're not supposed to show any of that. It's just supposed to be like inferred through good visual storytelling. Uh, oh, let me let me ask you something. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you remember better than me. Is there another time where Michael Myers has a scene where he's pretty much Bruce Lee, where he fights <laughs> ten people, but they all wait for their turn, like the firefighters, where they instead of attacking them all at once, they're just like waiting for him to kill, and then okay, my turn, and then they just fly away. That's where it gets insane to me. But that's okay. like that movie suspension of disbelief, where right. like if if they did it any other way than that at that point, after the rest of the movie unfolding, it would have just been like, oh yeah, the town could have literally just banded together and whooped his ass at any point in time. Like if it weren't for all of this confusion and panic, it just never would have happened. So that's one of those things where I just had to concede, like we're so off the deep end at this point you just have to enjoy the fucking craziness that unfolds in front of you which is literally like a like brawl i've seen in like neighborhoods yeah. i've grown up in like where just like some guy gets out of hand and like hits a woman or something and all of a sudden 20 dudes are beating the shit out of them and it has- well no no i mean i mean the, the beginning one with the firefighters because oh, they okay. ha- he has the he has a firefighter one where it's like 10 of them and they come at him one by one and then you have the second one where they all come at him at once i don't kind think of he ever even does any real like flourishy shit it's always been like stabbing dudes picking guys up sneaky stabbing like yeah. he had the the ridiculous one and i think like was it like it might have been actually uh h2o where he fakes his death at the end i think he like scalpels a guy in the back and picks him up off the ground like he does it makes no sense because it's with a scalpel uh but he like picks a guy up like three feet off the ground with it but like in those sequels that they try to redact that's what confused me about the 2018 one is they try to redact all that where he got like basically superhuman power and then in like five they explain it's because he's like part of an irish cult what was right. it they call, they no, call no, no, it like no. the, the irish Sandy. cult was halloween three the thorn cult is four five six and that is uh that just seems to be neutral they're there it, it's English, based Anglo, on pseudo irish lore some yam some memes of something like no, that not Chinese, Salin or whatever <laughs> uh but, yeah. uh th- so they're like trying to redact all of that and that's again why this one's so bonkers and all over the place is if you're a guy like like me or even more diehard people that's really been paying attention to both of these and are just like a fan of halloween in general part of you is like why the fuck did they spend so much time in the first movie redacting everything and playing it so straight and serious just to sort of unredact half of it in this one and completely 180 it in tone? Well, he uh, got the powers out of the fire, I think, because he was a normal yeah. human before he was burned alive. And then when his mask burned, he got powers. Well, yeah, he's le- he leveled up after the first movie. They mentioned that at the end of this one. 
every time he kills, he transcends, which is just a fancy way of he uh, he leveled up. Right. <laughs> he, he kills a guy, he gets a little bit of experience. He kills a couple more guys. He's a new level. He gets some special powers <laughs> and he can take on 20 guys. And he's not dead yet. Like, we know he's not dead. Unless the third movie is just fucking bonkers and they do one of the riskiest things ever in like mainstream horror. And they're just like Halloween ends is literally just the long ass ending to the it's like laurie driving home in a car for an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes like he's just dead uh like i i can't imagine anything like that's happening i imagine he's gonna spring up in the first act and just you know start butchering people left and right like he did in this one uh they'll probably start it off with that that clip again that did any of you guys think that was a fucking dream the first time you watched it uh which part specifically the very end the very De Palma like group murder at the end there where uh it's like the tiger suit guy and Tommy and Brackett and all these people. Yeah. And it looks like they're in like a one of those like black rooms where just the walls are painted like that. Right. And you get the everybody has their black. own like medium to close shot. And it's yeah. like and there's then, all these you know, like weird these camera up. movements that are yeah. like panning around. It's I like fucking love game. that. I love that. Every they, mm. first of all, they didn't even like do a very good job of beating him up as like a as a no. as like a mob or anything. No. And then she was just like <laughs> she stabbed him. And that was that was it. It was so wimpy, so lame. I uh, did. Dancing. Anthony Michael Hall even use his baseball bat once in this yeah. movie. He was well, just, he tries. I'm looking at it right now. He tries to hit him with it, and uh, and it doesn't that's one of the weird things to me you'd think after all that build-up of like you said him being the hero of the story and how they set him up like that throughout just the classic like he's the fucking white knight down to the like i thought at least they'd like play against that trope in a bigger way too where he even comes into Lori is like you protected me when i was a little kid now i'm gonna whoop this dude's ass for you and like runs out of the hospital but you'd think he would have had like the first big heroic swing and it's just like puerto rican guy <laughs> like <he> just <laughs> walks up and clubs michael myers with a wrench and they're like all right it's on and i think tommy gets like the fourth swing and you, like you said you don't see him connect or anything i was like it's just the weirdest like nothing really ever pays off I think other than the kills that character i think we're supposed to laugh at him and he's supposed to be the guy in the town who leads that that community watch or whatever who thinks he's a big tough guy big big bold hero and then can't pull off anything. They totally like throw that character, Tommy. It's a it's a total uh, opposite direction of the Paul Rudd version, that grown up Tommy, where he's just like a dumb, like townie who sits at the bar. He's got one thing that makes him famous, and he looks forward to it every Halloween. This is what he's known for. He goes up to the mic, says, "I survived Michael Myers when I was a kid." He wants to be that hero. He leads the mob. The little crazy guy jumps off the building, kills himself, and then he's telling he does that scene with Lori. I'm going to defend you like you defended me, and he can't pull it off because he's not that guy. And uh, I, I hope so because that's how it, it translated to me. Every time he spoke, I was like, Are you, "I'm not even. I'm not supposed to." If think he's supposed to be right? a hero, <laughs> they would not have cast dumpy Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> who's got a That's... big old beer gut and he's they made him shave his head i guess for this to like look even less flattering more because like, he's he not a like bad michael looking Mac... dude but he looks like michael mcdowell like a young michael mcdowell just fat yeah well he's like one of them old young men now where you can't tell if he's like a young looking old guy or like an old looking like middle-aged man it's like 
this weird uncanny valley but that's where i mean though like they kind of set him up as this hero early on and you don't know if you're supposed to take him seriously or not because everyone around is taking it like very seriously that's where they still play it straight is no matter how ridiculous shit gets no one's ever like this is fucking this is bonkers Mm -hmm. but like they set it up like that and that's why i thought there would be a little bit more of like a subversion or something like that where he is like he pisses his pants and runs off at the end there while everybody's getting butchered and then we see some follow-up to it but he really is he's just like a really long fucking cameo in this movie where it doesn't really pay off either way as him really being that like white knight or like the failed white knight where you set it up the whole time and he does just end up being like a dumpy fucking idiot at the end which is like kind of what happens but there's not any real like that that what i guess that pulls to like my biggest issue that i didn't really bring up is the editing is really fucking weird in this there's no room for anything to breathe like a normal horror movie and i think that's one of the things is i guess he does extend it he did an extended cut on the last one i haven't seen that yet so i need to check that out but i guess he made some mention a while ago i read he plans on doing extended cut for all of them on like the the disc release but it feels like that 20 minutes you said that's like inserted it feels like there's like a second team director that did some of the movie because there's all these wild shots that come out of left field uh that feel kind of like insert shots like uh that that ending obviously that feels like it's shot on a black soundstage uh when big john gets his head crushed that literally cuts to like an old grainy camera. And I think that was like an intentional, like throwback to one of the older movies. Mm. But uh, there's all these weird decisions where it feels like two different people were like, like steering the ship at all times. Here's my suspicion. I think maybe Danny McBride was acting as kind of like silent co-director on this. And that's why there's more of a comedic bend to it. Because, that, yeah. I mean, that was, this was originally supposed to be the both of them, but he's the writer, and I think he's the producer. And it does seem to have what I'd probably consider his sensibilities more. Although, if you look at David Gordon Green's filmography in general, it's exactly what we're talking about here, where some of them are, like, very straightforward by the numbers, well shot, looks good, play, play it normal, and then others are completely over-the-top, visually out there, mm-hmm. And uh, not what you would expect from the guy who direct. Like, you would not think that the director of Pineapple Express and uh, all the real girls were the same guy. And then also directed this Halloween movie and the last Halloween movie. <laughs> like, he, he, there's there seems to be some sort of texture to his filmmaking that is overlapping. But he doesn't have a sense of consistency as far as tone or even just the um, the sensibilities of, of what is portrayed on screen. It's a, a, a very all over the place kind of filmmaking. Like he just sort of does what he wants. And I yeah. like that about, I think that's why I ended up liking this. So like, it's weird that I feel like I had to like convince myself that I liked this movie <laughs> because there's yeah. so much of it that I don't like. But like I was joking with my girlfriend when this thing drops, I'm probably going to drag it into like premiere and cut out like all of the expositionary dialogue. And I bet you the fucking movie is a banger. Like if it's not like every two minutes, it's like, 
hey for all the fucking idiots in the audience i'm Lori. this is this person like <laughs> there's so many shots like when they zoom in on brackets fucking name tag in the hospital old bracket and they've already had like three scenes with him in it at this point it's like okay the the normal like movie going audience that's been paying attention and likes watching a movie fucking already knows who this dude is three times over and we're now panning over and zooming in on his name tag purely for the people that are completely left behind and like who the fuck's this old guy right now and there's so much of that throughout the movie and then it's like every time you're like oh wait what are they doing here they're like we gotta kill michael evil dies tonight and i'm like fuck dude like if if half (laughs) of this dialogue wasn't in the movie this would have just been i feel like like the whole audience would have been crazy about it because that's what most of the diehards are pissed about too is like all the just like it it feels like they wrote like two-thirds of the movie and then were just padding it out with like crowd dialogue like they're like Mm -hmm. all right we got the crowd scene at the hospital we can really eat up a bunch of time there the black cowboy sheriff sheriff parker uh ends up barely being a character no he's sitting down and just kind of sad and tired that night weirdest reflection in a mirror yeah just like like soft crying on the staircase Yeah, like damn i did nothing to save that guy and i probably could (laughs) have i just do you guys think they're setting anything up with uh because when uh the judy greer character starts seeing that everyone's getting killed or whatever she looks back up to the house and on that window you see the little girl or i guess the little michael dressed up as a clown uh, do you guys think they're setting anything up there or is it just uh, that he's still there so when she goes upstairs she gets killed I, I, think, I, I think that was more just an, another one of those just like mindless nods to the old sequels because there's mm-hmm. like there's ones where people are like seeing weird flashes of Michael everywhere and that's a thing I know in the Rob Zombie ones where like their version of Laurie is like losing her fucking mind in the second one yeah and eventually is seeing like michael and their mother and everything in it but uh that's that's like more of that shit that's like really confusing is like you never it's never really clear on like what's just sort of a fan servicey moment and what's like actually supposed to be taken seriously as part of the narrative in this one and there's all these little bits i really like like i think it's hawkins mentions at one point uh he doesn't think he was looking out the window in his sister's room. He thinks he might have been looking at his reflection and sort of like, you know, reflecting it on his own self. And it kind of like uh, leaves you on this cliffhanger of like, oh, maybe this dude sort of does have his own thought process. No matter how demented it must be, there's there's something ticking in there. We just don't understand it. We get in the way of whatever the fuck it is this dude wants. But yeah, I think that's another one of those ones where it's just kind of like a nod to the old movies, like the silver shamrock masks. There's just like the last one, there's kills that are kind of like reminiscent of older ones, like the lifting the firefighter up is sort of like become a signature of his where he stabs a guy. The 2018 one, he pins Sarandon's kid to the mm-hmm. wall like he did Bob in the original. Uh, who was Bob fucking Odenkirk in this one for a brief cameo? Uh, I don't know if you guys heard oh, about it? that. What? Bob Odenkirk was in this movie? Uh, in the bar, his high school photo is Bob from the original movie. 
when Tommy's watching the TV and they first real they they're talking about the murders and they realize more people have died. The shot of the kid in glasses is supposed to be Bob who got pinned into the wall in the original and they couldn't find the original actor to sign off on the rights, but they knew Bob Odenkirk and they had seen him post a photo of him in high school on like Twitter or something when they were shooting the okay. movie. And he looked so much like Bob in the original movie, like the actor that played Bob that they were like, can we use your, your photo for the movie? Wow. That, photo you know of, that went right this? over my head. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bob Odenkirk. That's because uh, I saw it. And I was like, like that looks fucking nothing like Bob. <laughs> what the fuck? He looks like Jason Voorhees. That kid. Yeah, yeah, that looks like Jeffrey looks- Dahmer. Dahmer, yeah. Who's who's the lead character of this movie? Because it, it's it's clearly not Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Laurie Strode. Where Will Patton's like, it's not about you, you dumb bitch. He's <laughs> yeah. not after you. you <laughs> How many times I gotta tell woman. you? God, he's just he likes killing people. He, she's not. He's not obsessed with you. Don't they? They do that too. He says something along those lines and sets it up and then they cut back to something else. I can't remember if that's when they're like storming the retard or what, but -hmm. they like cut to something else and then they cut back and he's like, no woman, I told you like it's because that night I didn't (laughs) let Loomis kill him. I did my job. Mm -hmm. I didn't let a a dude commit a crime. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, we all should have murdered that guy together, but we didn't. We did the right thing, and I regret it. And then they throw, I was like, that's enough. And then he throws in the line, and he's like, I just kept thinking it might have been someone else's little boy in there. And I was like, well, he is, but like, he's fucking killed a bunch of people and got you to (laughs) shoot partner. He just murdered a bunch of children. Yeah. Oh, wow, her face looks like a rotten pumpkin in that shot. That, you just <laughs> that I guess too was supposed to be kind of like an anti-gun, like uh, I guess moment because there's not really a message to the movie. Uh, I well, I got like soft. I don't know if I'd call it right-wing vibes, but the whole mob thing felt like a. A very um, subtle, not maybe not even subtle, but just a commentary on like cancel culture shit. And um, I know Jamie Lee Curtis was right, just following, yeah, and and how that can just you know, yeah, you can get the the wrong people. Yes, and I remember Jamie Lee Curtis was on Instagram or Twitter talking about how this is a female empowerment film, and it's like, how do you get that at all from this movie? That first movie, you can, I think you can certainly claim that's the case. Yeah. This one, not even close. Judy Greer has her <laughs> moment of empowerment, and then it's fucking washed away within two minutes, and she looks like an what? asshole. Yeah, yeah, the pitchfork one, where she just, like, hits him with the pitchfork, and then she's like, all right, I, I've done it. <laughs> it's like, are you stupid? Uh, she, are you not she aware? She curb stomped him, too. I love that little <laughs> yeah. bit. I was like... There should have been more of this with the women in the movie. That's the big, the, the probably the biggest problem of all is if you read like the Peacock description of this movie, it says like Laurie Strode in the town of Haddonfield finally hunt down Michael Myers. It's like that bitch what? doesn't leave the hospital. <laughs> like, she, no, she, she goes not. on a fucking truck ride and then she she fucking she, the only guy she murders in this movie is a doctor's testicles in one scene <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah she Straight tries up. to run away and then she's like oh it hurts yeah the full like is like crushing metal cans and shit when that guy gets hit in the ball so it's like yeah. jesus christ she that doctor died 
like 30 steps later up the hallway just fell over dead from the the nut crunch that also that scene has like the best song in the movie in my opinion for just like one of the weirdest scenes like everybody's just sort of running and jumping around moving down the hallway and it looks ridiculous like no one's ever seen footage of like a a panicked crowd of people or anything it's very right it feels very movie-esque like everybody stay at least a foot apart like like COVID it's restrictions also, for how you riot. It's and, also uh, something that you don't you don't do. I mean, you're trying to get this killer that's been killing people for 40 years, and everyone's just like, "Yeah, let me let me go at him." He's built like Why? That's <laughs> yeah. another weird editing thing. So he's like right at the door, and when the establishing shot is set up. You see there's people inside the hospital, outside the hospital, paramedics coming and going, bringing bodies in. They're using it like the, was it the fucking morgue or whatever is in the hospital. So they're bringing bodies in from the last movie and shit still. That Oliver kid or whatever is is put up there and his mom spots him at one point. But it's like, there's people all around this hospital. This mentally retarded guy is like standing outside the door where there have got to be people right behind him from what the editor showed us and like on the other side of like an inch thick plate of glass and he's going help me help me he looks just like the penguin help look me. Oh, yeah. God. yeah he's not yeah, yeah, and he literally hobbles like the penguin and everything he's like can we get a the there you go yeah that's what michael myers looks like that's how he's yeah. always hunched over with a big round yeah. head Little that's body. the guy that's killing everybody in town. <laughs> this we guy, yeah. Feeble. Yeah, they didn't mention the entire town of Haddonfield is disabled in some way. Uh, so this guy is just running around with ground. retard strength, crushing people alive. Can you imagine that guy killing just the seven firefighters at the beginning? <laughs> yeah, movie? right. He crawls out <laughs> of the hole. <laughs> so this movie doesn't like, have a main character. It's definitely an ensemble Michael? piece. I mean, I guess you could say the Judy Greer character takes the lead here for the most part, maybe. But you also have that that one character. Uh, you have Tommy, obviously, and you have the one character. I, I forget his name in the film, but he is uh, known for being in that Steve Little film, The Cachism Cataclysm, which was produced by David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. Hans, you've seen it? Yeah. It's a strange film. Spencer, I it's it's pretty obscure. I know IFC put it out like, yeah, 12 years ago or something. What character are you talking about, though? Uh, he's kind of a burly, heavy set guy. He's a, a bit older. Um, uh, Lonnie, the grown up Lonnie. Is it Lonnie? Hans, do you remember if that's Lonnie? Like the main dude know. that's friends with Tommy at the bar at the beginning? I think so. Yeah, he joins the mob and he, he gets was just killed. in Midnight Mass, too, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. I, if, I only... if we're talking about the same dude, he's the I one who so. introduces Tommy at the bar at the beginning of the movie. I believe so. The one that drives yes. Natalie. So that's Natalie grown up Lonnie. Yeah, okay. That's the the kid that Michael Myers almost kills in the flashback at the beginning. Uh, the right. one that falls on the ground, and then when the cops come in, yeah, Michael's Cummings not there anymore. Project X kid find him, yeah. and Michael Myers slips into the Myers house, and then Lonnie grows up, and uh, I think they mention his wife at some point, but I don't think she's a named character. I think she might have been mentioned. But uh, his son is Cameron, who's Laurie's granddaughter. Uh, who's the worst really character in this movie, the most annoying character, has the most 
delicious death <laughs> the whole movie. The, so they explain so much and do so much narrative handholding. And that fucking dude, uh, like he's he's the opening opening character of the movie. So like I guess he's kind of the main character. Uh, they they set him up and they don't kill him immediately, which is like the slasher standard. Is the first person you see is normally just a a victim to like grease the wheels. But uh, right. he find he finds Hawkins, and then I thought his whole arc was gonna be like redemption arc, where like he's making up for cheating on Allison in the last movie. Yeah. No, it's just like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Let's go kill Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah. <just> like, <laughs> <laughs> all right my dad's gonna pick us up she's like all right yeah what because I, I think it's her mom is like no you can't go and she's like that's when he says that line uh tommy's organizing groups of people that care uh, and yeah. she's like okay yeah. cool i'm going yeah. care about murder uh, that's one of those things though where i look at it after watching it so many times now and like talking to low res and some other friends is like I look at it, and if you're thinking of it like they're playing into all these Halloween tropes and everything, like Halloween as the season and like the the holiday and everything, there's so much of it that works as just like a campy Halloween movie, not like Halloween mm-hmm. Michael Myers film. There's the prank with the kids and Big John and Little John. Uh, there's the ugliest like, kill in the world. Oh, no, wait, that's on the flashback. I think that's what works too with a lot of the like campy dialogue is like how some of the scenes, the characters all add a little bit of lore to Michael Myers, but at a certain point it like ramps up to such a ridiculous level that you get to that monologue at the end with Laurie, where it's just like explaining everything that's happened all along and why he's just all of a sudden able to do insane superhero shit. Uh, Do you guys like that one part with big john where little john says oh that ain't a kid in the house and big john goes fuck that shit and then removes all (laughs) we spend maybe about a minute with big john removing all his rings and jewelry and then taking off his bathrobe and then he just picks up the tiniest knife in the house to defend himself for that that very hack penis joke yes yeah 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 (laughs) i i really enjoyed though going back to those two and those two being prompted as like legitimate characters in this movie and it's just so ridiculous i think this is one of the most fun halloween movies right now as it stands and this could definitely change this might be my favorite halloween film (laughs) that's where i stand with it because it offers almost too much it's it's a it's a confusing and very amusing and quite original slasher film that feels Maybe you said it over DMs. It feels like something that would fit right in the 80s where they're just fuck like they're figuring shit out. Whoever is handling the film, do whatever you want. Fuck the lore. Fuck whatever's coming next. We're not thinking eight steps ahead. We're just going to do whatever we want with this one. And whatever it is, it is. That's what this feels like. Um, Can we talk about whatever this oh jesus christ was that the kid from heavyweights and uh i saw that and i was like wait a second i have to pause is that a mask is that the ugliest child i've ever seen in my life that kid was cast for his hair (laughs) 
were Look like, at yeah, that. you are perfectly ugly for the movie. We are going <laughs> to fit you in. Yeah, you see something like that, just such a strange person. You're like, yep, you're going to be in here. Yeah, that's the first time you see Beckett. It's young him. And I couldn't tell if they just cast an actor or if that was like a rotoscope of his face. Because I'm pretty sure that's the face of the original one. Uh, With this bracket. kid? No, the cop. Oh, you mean, right, right, right. You mean this guy. That's young Lonnie. Uh, that I was just well, kid though, man. That's his real hair. That's his real face too. Yeah, gingers. Yeah, yeah I feel like he's wearing like red face. You know, it's a stereotypical ginger person. Mm. That's not very nice <laughs> depiction of of the redhead community. It's uh, uh, so, well, since I I labeled this one my favorite, at least temporarily. We'll see. I'm gonna watch it a third time later this week, uh, and we'll see how that goes over. What would you two cite as your favorite Halloween films? We'll start with you, Spencer. I honestly love the original. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I, it's not even my favorite Carpenter movie, but I I love the original Halloween. If we're talking like favorite Halloween movies, uh, I think I enjoy the Rob Zombie ones a lot more than other people, and I'd put them higher up. Uh, I enjoy the first one. Is look, I I don't dislike Rob Zombie at all. I enjoy his aesthetic for the most part. I think he's fallen off, unfortunately. But I I, I do think, like that first Halloween as a Rob Zombie film. Yeah, and I, I think if you're talking reboots, that's the only reason I brought this up. I just want to get this out really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're talking reboots, I think his first one in the long run after seeing everything that's come out so far i think his first one is way more interesting than the first one for this run even Mm -hmm. though i think this run is a good movie and still an interesting movie uh it was really slow and i i think i told you i think it kind of suffered from trying to be a little bit like the original and not just completely trying to do its own thing and that's why I, I really like, like, I'd probably say this one's like Halloween Kills is probably like my number two now, right underneath the original. I wouldn't oh, say wow. it's my favorite over the original, but sure. like I was, I've been so conflicted on it, but like just talking off of like watching it and the enjoyability of like the kills, the package as a whole, uh, the obscene amount of like dialogue handholding is not like bad enough to ruin the overall experience and like you said it's 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 uh directors and writers whose stuff i enjoy outside the genre uh doing something crazy and just absolutely going for it it feels like something from the 80s where they were given some insane budget that even they couldn't fucking believe and they were like we need to make this shit as quickly as possible so they can't take the money away from us because it's already spent like and they just like like the big john little john thing i just assume was it had to be it's like fucking you and hans getting together and like coming up with this ridiculous fucking yeah. idea for a little, oh, okay. little, little scene and you're bouncing fucking stupid ideas back and forth. You're like, I was going to say cast Halloween, us as man. Big John and Little John. <laughs> no, I mean, you guys <laughs> are right. In time. You guys are Gordon Green and, and Danny McBride and you're bouncing <laughs> no. ideas back and forth and you come up with this idea for this ridiculous gay couple and you're like, it had to be like, you know, just a dumb fucking, they're like, that's a hack joke. They had to be com- completely aware of what they were doing and we're just like, 
it's our fucking movie. We'll do it anyways. Who gives a shit? And like you were saying, if it it really is a commentary on cancel culture and it's kind of like, you know, don't judge a book by a cover. Don't jump to conclusions. You might get the wrong guy. Like, is this, is this witch hunt shit really worth it at the end of the day? Uh, Cause you know, if we're all focused on the wrong thing, the, the right thing is still out there doing bad. So it's like, if it really was that at the core uh, it makes sense that they would lean into just wholeheartedly doing their own thing and having fun with shit like that and being a little bit riskier because they've done way crazier jokes and shit on like Eastbound and Down and stuff like that. Oh, so, oh yeah. Uh, oh, it's it's not like they're treading into new water with it. <laughs> we're gonna see. We're gonna see Jamie Michael Lee Curtis. In- yeah, Louisiana, yeah. Ship, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, the jokes are like very mild in comparison and almost non-existent. But uh, yeah, like you said, uh, I think it's crazy that you think it's it's your favorite. Uh, I love the original and I'd almost put Season of the Witch above this one, too, because I also really like that one. But that's one where I also haven't revisited it since I was like 15 years old. And it's one I'm like worried I'm going to go back to and not enjoy as much. Uh, I think it's pretty fun. And I think Tom Atkins is a great leading character for any movie. But especially in that one where he's just a drunk doctor dad who's yeah. cheating on who his fucks. wife and yeah, he's yeah. sleeping with his literal Night of the Comet he's in too? He's in another one that's just like batshit nuts the whole movie. Yeah, I, I think in that one too. I think, yeah, I think he's in Night of the Comet, but he's not the lead in that. It's Teenage Night Girls, the isn't it? Night of the Creeps, yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, and he's just like the detective in the movie, but it's such a fucking weird like B plot to a movie. Uh, that would be a good one for you guys to cover on here sometime if you're looking to cover some just fucking wild horror. But uh, yeah, man, this one, crazy. I want to ask something. What was your your favorite shot in this movie? That's a good question. I think it's uh, actually probably at the end when you have Michael just getting up from the ground and going, okay, you guys all tried. Now it's my turn. There's a shot where it's very quick where they cut to Jamie Lee Curtis kind of peering down, I guess out of the hospital or, or whatever's happening. And it kind of makes it look like she's witnessing the thing, but she, I clearly don't think she is. Uh, but yeah, no, there's just all this like visual movement like that. That makes it seem like it's this weird, like omniscient thing going on with everyone. Like Hans was saying, where she looks up at little Michael in the window at the, there's so much that feels like there's more going on Mm -hmm. than there is the whole time. So there's a shot of her and it felt very dressed to kill, very blowout, uh, Brian De Palma. When I, I think there's a scene specifically in blowout where maybe it's John Lithgow's character is looking down the escalator and we're kind of gradually panning out it had that same vibe to it. And I, that was around the time I was like, I really enjoy this movie. I really dig this movie. So I, I would say that's probably my favorite shot of the, the film. Yeah. I don't know what to call that. It had like almost like a weird parallax feel. Yeah. It had like the reverse, like there weren't physical blinds in front of you, but you could see like the lines cutting through Lori throughout the whole that thing. That was another thing too. So there's a scene of Lori in the hospital bed, and I think she's talking to the the Will Patton character, and I was like, is there banding on this? Because when you shoot with a like a DSLR camera or any digital camera and you have fluorescent lights, that can be a real problem. And you'll look inside the viewfinder and you'll see these Black bars just taking their time. And sometimes they're very subtle coming down on screen. 
And that's what you wind up seeing um, in this shot, which you just referenced, where she's talking in, in her hospital bed, and it's a gradual pan out. And it's like, no, it's just the blinds. It's only the blinds. There's a shadow from the blinds. It's not banding. It's the blinds. And I was like, that was, that was, was kind of ugly and obviously deceptive. I mean, good, good for them. I was, I was thinking, is this like the new, uh, I guess, like charming effect of, of digital technology now? Like, you know, if you shot with a film camera, you get like the specs and the dirt and the grain and the hair. Are we just going to do banding now? Are we going to just uh, adopt these weak spots of digital cameras? No, 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 no. That's not the case at all. Yeah, it was, there's, it's like very weird too, because I'm not like a, like a filmmaker or anything. I'm, I'm more of a writer. Uh, and uh, there's all these shots in it where it's like, it feels like something like from when I was a kid and I would shoot like shit on like a little handy cam and stuff, just playing around with friends. And it was like, it really it felt like there was a lot of shots where they just showed up at the location and we're like, well, this would be cool. And that's why, I mean, it's, it's cool to see something that's this big a budget and feels so much just like a, like a group of close friends making something with just like an insane licensed property. Cause it's, it's so wacky that this movie was $20 million. And I think I read somewhere they spent like another 12 million on fucking marketing or something like that which seems absurd to me, but uh, what the fuck do I know about spending money on movies? Uh, This movie looks like you could probably have done it for like a couple million tops uh, other than like the hospital uh, set and maybe the burning house. There's not like a ton there that uh, requires a lot of money uh and like one of the biggest kill gags a lot of it looks really digital like that's the only thing i didn't really like about the ending is because they did those you know there's no real cutaway or editing tricks like after watching it so many times like when he slashes a dude's arm you see the slash happen in real time it's kind of hard to really like do in real time are you guys surprised that this was such a success at the box office given that it was released basically for free to anybody who has cable the same day uh after the success of the first one i'm really not i'm I'm not i'm also not surprised at the reaction of it because the first one was so successful and you're setting something up that you're not following through with so i understand uh where those complaints come from uh but not really i mean supposed to believe that things are getting back to normal right uh, movie theaters are back up open, open well, at least up there. I don't know. By comparison, know. what was it? Bond had a nine hundred million dollar budget, I think it was, and it made Whoa. fifty million dollars opening Dude, yeah, weekend. It good. it is not making. That was a giant uphill battle, no matter what. Yeah, but uh, they're gonna have to like reform and rescale everything. Uh, for they're that, still making that one. movies for that what much is- that are not superhero movies. Yeah, what did ridiculous. the 2018 one make? Because I remember that one was it. It was ten million they spent on it. I'm pretty sure, and then they doubled the budget for this one. Because I'm pretty sure that's what I read the other night. But I don't remember what the hell the 2018 one made. I feel like it made 80, 80 million or eighty five million. Okay, because I know this one's already doubled its money in the opening weekend. Uh, but that's that whole like if you look if you're just talking pandemic numbers and shit. 
uh horror has pretty much been like a like a sure bet like almost guaranteed money across the board throughout the pandemic there was a lot of guys like you guys early on who were just like dudes on the internet making shit together who slapped together some really schlocky fucking horror movies and got their names out to way bigger audiences just because there was like a deficit to content for like i remember reading news for like two months where fucking just everywhere was like you know studios are looking for shit to buy just to like put in theaters when they didn't even know if theaters were going to be open or not and uh like host is one of the ones that yeah. comes to mind yeah. uh they got <laughs> a huge deal sh- um so bad have you seen that one what is that fucking one uh daniel isn't real that guy skyra i mean that one i really enjoyed but that guy got like a huge deal off of it just because everybody was at home so so many people watched that movie really quick not to discredit that movie because i enjoyed it uh that had sarandon's kid in it too from the 2018 halloween and uh schwarzenegger's kid too the legitimate one uh (laughs) the, the fat one no no this is the the jacked one the golden child oh. i think it's patrick i, I believe Me- his name. no hold on the mexican one i think that's his nephew oh that's his nephew i thought it was his son there I was uh was... i think there was a patrick schwarzenegger on um celebrity apprentice when arnold took over for a season and it was his nephew and he always took the opportunity to dunk on him like he was privately jealous that's of his hilarious yeah I, ju- I just assumed it was his son because he looks like arnold and maria uh, uh, just to correct you a little bit, uh, Loris, there the movie made 159 million domestically and 96 wow. million internationally, so a total of 255 million with a yeah, 10 million budget. All right, so maybe so, it made 85 million over the weekend. Uh, yeah. and like ori- original Halloween was made for 300,000. Uh, it's yeah, it's misquoted as 500,000 a lot, but it was, I think. John Carpenter says in an interview it was around like 320,000 when everything was said and done. There's like no fucking marketing other than like that little original trailer that came out when I think like the VHS came out or something. Um but uh that nowadays like if you adjust for inflation I think is around like 1.3 million. Uh I think I looked that up the other night. I, for some reason, didn't put it in my notes. Uh, I have here the kill count. Uh, 39 plus one retard, one dog, one doctor's testicles. Because uh, he kills a dog at the beginning in the flashback that wasn't ever shown in any of the movies. So it's like, if we're being accurate here, mm. uh, and technically he didn't kill the retarded guy. Uh, that was a forever jumped. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a that was a cool shot. I have it that right was. here. Uh, it's a he's great effect. A very good uh, ladder. Oh, looks like yeah. Mickey Rourke. The twitch on the guy really sells it <laughs> yeah. too, because I think some of there. that it almost looks <laughs> digital. Uh yeah. I, I'm but assuming they just shot it on a flat plate or something. Uh yeah. like that's probably not the ground outside the hospital. That's probably just like a fake slab of asphalt. Right. Yeah, he's laying on it, and they're shooting at him from above. But uh, I guess, it's I guess, great, great effect on doing the. That's like if you're a low budget movie, that's like uh, you could even just paint the top of that guy's head green and green screen it if you're doing it digitally. Mm-hmm. But that's such a cheap effect that they probably saved a lot of money doing it in that tight shot like that, which mm-hmm. makes it feel way more fucking uncomfortable too than if yeah, like you just had that wide shot where it shows him in the crowd that they pull out to after like. 
I don't think it would have been nearly as like, wow, this is fucked up. <laughs> and then they, gl- <laughs> they gloss over that. Tommy's just like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm uh, surprised this was such uh, a success because uh, it seems like people have reverted back into the pandemic fear. But also the buzz around Halloween 2018 kind of died down i i want to say and around the time it got delayed because i believe this is a film that was originally supposed to be released in 2020 it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of hype coming out 2019 or 2020 it was yeah i think it originally i think originally it was supposed to be 18 19 and 20 i'm pretty sure they announced them all coming out within a year of each other and i think it got delayed a year then delayed another year when uh like covid just set in sorry to interrupt Hmm. you but yeah, I'm pretty sure because I was still kind of affiliated with the movie theater that I worked at when uh, they like announced them and would go like help out part time and shit. And then uh, like when they came out, I went and saw it like a couple of nights before it even opened because I just like I was basically a manager there for years and I would just go see the managers and be like, all right, I'm fucking watching that shit now in an empty theater. Like, we used to just go there and be, like, whatever fucking DVD, Blu-ray you wanted to put in, you could go watch whatever you wanted to on, like, nice. the IMAX screens and stuff. So I stayed in touch with everybody there. But I'm pretty sure they were announced, like, all back-to-back every Halloween for three years. So this, I think, was supposed to be the last year uh, that one right. would have been coming out. That like sounds right. should have been coming out. Uh, but also, just in general... Horror sequels typically, I, I feel like, don't make as much money as the predecessor. I know that was the case with It Chapter 2. The buzz died down. People didn't show up to the theater. They weren't as into it. Maybe it was because there was obviously less of a Stranger Things vibe to it. But even that whole trend had faded out by that point. So I, I didn't have the expectation that this was going to be a big hit. And then you do have the element of this going direct to streaming the same day. Now, granted... Everybody who has a Comcast, cable box, or Xfinity, or whatever, has Peacock by default. But nobody knows what the fuck Peacock is. Peacock isn't Netflix. Peacock isn't HBO Max. It's not Hulu. Everybody has it right in front of them for free. But it's such an obscure platform. And it's, a, it's not a bad platform. You can watch no. Night Gallery, Twilight Zone, uh, Kolchak, The Night Stalker, Columbo. I check out all these shows on there. They don't have much for movies. Obviously. The interface has some great features too. Yeah, little, police like squad. when a movie ends and it plays uh it plays like trailers for other similar shit and it's actually yeah. similar stuff. They have it's some good bad. Halloween shit up right now. If you're a horror dude like me, there's there's definitely some solid movies on there right now. I don't know what it was like like a couple of weeks ago. I had an old man moment where I was like went to my girlfriend was like do we have fucking peacock whatever the fuck that <laughs> is? And she was like, yeah, it's like free with cable. I was like all right, uh, can you show me? <laughs> like, uh, it's very strange, but we we already had it set up and everything. So I just, like I said, I I watched it in my office. I'm almost ashamed to say how many times I watched it, but I watched it ten times now. Already, uh, Jesus Christ. Christ! Oh my God! Yeah, uh, I thought I was excessive it too. Yeah, and what day is it? Like, I've lost track. It came of out like day. three days ago. Yeah, <laughs> and I haven't watched it in a day. Or, you haven't actually, watched anything else, lie. apparently. That's a lie, because I've watched it eleven times now. I told you I watched it right before we oh. went live. To oh up on God! It. You know like, this movie like the back of your hand. Exactly. I had the script oh. to this movie, and we were reading it on one of the last shows we did. 
And I was like, this is a big piece of shit. This and it, <laughs> the ending of that script did not was not the ending of this movie. I and I was reading through it. I'm like, go piece ahead, of shit or awesome horror script. <laughs> just, yeah. Well, just just a couple of things. Uh, my favorite one is the first one uh, because I feel like the uh, tone of it. The, that was yeah. a question a half hour ago, huh? I, I know I didn't get to answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I love the music and I love the setting and how different from everything slasher related it is. Uh, because even though uh, it's about this crazy monster, I guess that we don't know if it's a monster or, or a person, the violence is not that. It's not really graphic at all, but the the way that the the soundtrack the music works in it works with the way that it's shot so well that i don't think has been replicated in any on the of the sequels and it's the the only one that i've gone back to more than twice uh, just because i enjoy how it's shot so much i love all, all those camera movements that he does that that uh it feels more artistic than the regular you know slasher film where it's just violent violent violence and i guess it makes sense because this one of the first one if not the first one but that's the the one that i've gone back to the most um after going to the list of of all of the other ones yeah i i that's why i don't understand purists because uh the franchise has changed so much that i don't know if you can i don't know if you could nail down what what constitutes a halloween movie other than well he has michael in it you know, everything else has changed so much in all of them. They're, none of them are shot the same way as each other, uh, or as the, uh, the the one before or the one after. Uh, but the first one is the one that I've gone back to uh, the most. Um, and another thing, so you guys mentioned Rob Zombie. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Cause... Oh, I saw this. And I'm kind of, I'm not surprised at all at who this this cast here is. But Jeff Daniel Phillips seems like a, a very lazy choice for Herman Munster because that's just like a buddy of his. That's not a guy who resembles. Yeah, he was in 31. Uh, and, he uh, was in 31 and maybe Lords of Chaos. Halloween, and what was the last Halloween one he did? Halloween 2 he was in with uh, Dan Roebuck was in Halloween 2 as well with him. They're uh, the two guys at the strip club, if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Dan Roebuck uh, is underrated. He's a good character actor. He's good in great. River's Edge. He's uh, the guy who killed the girl. Hans. Oh, oh wow. I didn't even. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking him up to see what he looks like without the. Jeff Daniel makeup, Phillips but... isn't bad, but the dude needs to be used sparingly. Uh, I don't give oh, a right. shit about the monsters, so I'm just kind of like ah, uh, okay. different to this. That that was my when I was a kid. I that's that was my like my uh, TV guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like. Yeah, the I used to love. That I, I would watch the monsters. Uh, they would. I think it would play right before school or something on um, some network. You'd think TV with how much of it? like a horror nut I am, I would be all for it and like grew up on it. And I don't know why I've been like so cynical about like outright goofy goth shit since I was like oh, five years it. old. Like. Uh, that's why I loved it because of how goofy it was and either that or or the Adams family but the Adams family gets like weirdly horny at times it's kind of like I don't it didn't click with my autism yeah Adams family didn't do it either I was like this is just the monsters but horny like, this I, seems yeah. like a, that's the a, whole a, pitch <laughs> I mean it's a, I guess it's a kind of strange property to try to reboot now but this is a big property mm-hmm. and it seems yeah. like a an odd it's it just seems odd that Rob Zombie's front loading it with his 
cast of regulars who are not these really friends. famous actors. Yeah. Who look I nothing honestly, like the actors. I have a weird feeling though that he's gonna nail it and like not being a fan of it and everything. I feel like I might end up liking this. I uh I'm also one of the people that's kind of split down the middle. It's kind of like a non-answer, but a lot of people either really fucking hate his wife or like absolutely love her in movies. And I'm kind of indifferent. Like I think she's solid in some stuff and like serviceable, and then in other shit, it's just been like insane. I don't um, mind her. I, she, nice. you just kind of expect her at a certain point. I think she's gotten better at acting. She but... carries Lords of Salem. Like that movie's retarded. Uh, the book of that is actually very good. The novel, uh, which is t- it's co-written by Rob Zombie, but I have a feeling some novelist really just took yeah. his script as a blueprint and did whatever they want because it's nothing like the movie. I I read the book. I, I think it's by Brian Evanson, uh, who's a horror novelist and. You read the book, and it feels like a good 70s kind of Peter Straub, Stephen King, New England, creepy, witchy, radio station horror. And then the movie is nothing like that. The movie is uh, really bad, and uh, I didn't like it one bit. My editor fucking hates it, too, because she's from Salem, and she's like, they show like fucking three places in Salem, and the whole movie looks like 90% of it doesn't take place in salem at Mm. all she's like Mm. it's really hard to fuck up like a new england vibe and that movie like barely has that in it which is why it's so weird but that's like for it being i think one of his worst movies it's like one of her better performances so it's really weird well Uh, it requires something different of her for once that weird like horny priest moment that always makes me laugh uh I don't know if you guys. I have no recollection of watching that movie. I I saw it, but in the church, and the priest is just like suck my dick or something crazy like that. (laughs) Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. What the fuck? And like, I remember being like really drunk the first time I watched it, and it felt like like the movie was like reading lines (laughs) out of my head. (laughs) Like I was just making up insane shit, and it was happening. I was like, oh, this movie's cursed. That was the first uh, I, movie of his that I think went direct to streaming. I remember it was a on demand the same day arrangement, the same day it was in theaters. What year did that come out? 2013 or 2014, maybe 2012. Okay, that was that would have been right after I left the theater officially. Uh I got like it was like a war of attrition with like Avengers movies and shit. I think I left like late 2012. Mhm. And I worked like at a big chain theater. I think it's like a fucking Cinemark now or yeah, I think it's a Cinemark now, but uh, it was a giant chain theater with like 200 employees. And I started as like dickhead usher and got all the way up to like assistant manager. And we were just always real, wild a, a real there. small time, a real a small town tale of yeah. perseverance and well, that's, success that's the weird thing is it is like small town like uh i'll get you guys to like come out here eventually but it's like suburban connecticut looks like you actually live in a town from the majestic yeah I, well, it looks like anywhere in the world like parts of our town probably look like this fucking movie we've been talking about all night like uh it's at this this movie is actually shot like near where my fucking dad lives randomly i looked that up and it's hmm. like they're down in the carolinas which was the last place i would have expected 
Oh yeah, well uh, they, uh, they Danny uh, Danny McBride and David Gordon Green and Rough House, uh, they film everything in North Carolina and South mm-hmm. Carolina. Yeah, so. I wasn't like that familiar with their stuff that they were like located out of there and uh, was really surprised. I was like, oh shit, that's uh, it. Also, doesn't really look like that. No, uh, or like at least what I've seen of down there. They, uh, I so think I they know. did a pretty good job of of masking and making it look like uh what the idea of Haddonfield would be. But yeah. uh just to just to recap, so Hans, your favorite is 1978 Halloween. Yeah. Yes. Smoke I did go I did go see that in the theater back in like 2011 or 2012 maybe. I saw it with a bunch of kids and they were just not taking the movie seriously at all. They were <laughs> laughing throughout it. And it fucked with me where I'm like, yeah, this is a funny movie. This movie sucks. So you don't and bring I a bunch of kids on... to the movie, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I watched on TV later. I was like, complete opposite reactions. It was strange how sitting with an audience can be so manipulative. You could just lose your mind. You could become, you know, it's like a brain worm telling you what to think. <laughs> judgy children not understanding that you know sometimes you can't wait for things to happen (laughs) sometimes the shot is a little bit slow 